You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Last time we spoke of the first verses of the book of Galatians, where we saw that Paul asserted that he was the apostle of God, as he says in verse 1, not from uh, men or the uh, thought of man, uh, but it was directly through Jesus and through God the Father. And uh, he was writing to them in that capacity as God's apostle. And uh, he was also writing to them about God's gospel, namely in verse 1, that uh, Jesus Christ had been raised by uh, the Father from the dead. And in verse 4, that uh, that death was because he had given himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. This was by the will of God. This was well prophesied and well attested to. And so God's apostle preaching God's gospel. That will be the great theme in the book of Galatians. And Paul, after this paragraph tonight that we wish to consider, Paul will defend his apostleship in the longest personal section that we have by far uh, from him regarding his work because it was under attack. And the reason why they're attacking the apostleship of Paul is, I think, firmly they did not believe and want to hear the gospel that he was preaching. And so uh, if you don't like the message, a well-honored, time-honed technique is discredit the messenger. So Paul came out from verse 1 with, he is God's apostle, he is preaching God's gospel. The reason why this is, at this point, under such contention is because, as Paul will point out in verses 6 through 10, that they are getting, and they are believing right now, a different gospel. It is a different gospel that uh, they have received. It's a different gospel that they are now following. And Paul just says in verse 6, again, the Galatians might be one of the most direct letters by the Apostle Paul. I'm, I'm just amazed. I'm dumbfounded. I marvel, the King James says. I, I can't believe it. Verse 6, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not really another. Only there are some, some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. They are disturbing you, he says. They want to distort, and they are distorting the gospel of Christ. But, verse 8, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we preach to you, he is to be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you've received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. 
All right, so here's the problem. This is why from verse 1 and verse 4 in the introduction, we had Paul's assertion that he is God's apostle. He is preaching God's gospel. The reason is, is that is now a point in controversy. Actually, both those points are in controversy. They have gone to a different gospel, and they have rejected God's apostle. So tonight we'll have the stakes. And then beginning in verse 11 in in, uh, studies to come, we'll see Paul's defense of that assertion that he is God's apostle. Then in chapter 3 beginning, we will have the defense of the gospel by faith in Jesus Christ, contrary to this different gospel that they have accepted and that they have uh, gone after, and that being uh, they have gone back to the law. If we would look down uh, in chapter 3, I think we'll see a summary of the controversy. In chapter 3, and we'll look at this in detail in the future, but just now to see where this is headed, in chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And we'll talk about that later, the bewitching. But he marvels in chapter 1. He says, somebody must have cast a spell on you. Somebody tripped you up that uh, you would go for this. It was before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or the hearing with faith? And that'll be the great things pointed out in contrast. Works of the law or the hearing with faith. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Do you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Then quoting the Old Testament scriptures of Genesis 22, just as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned or counted for him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So when we get to the controversy about what is being taught, we'll see what the other gospel is that Paul says is accursed. It is the works of the law in place of the things given by the Spirit of God, the Spirit who gave them evidence and tokens and uh, miracles, that they may objectively know that, hey, that's not something we had in the synagogue. Uh, This is the right way. This is the God-approved way. It is by the hearing of faith. It is by belief. So in chapter 3, it'll be hearing of faith twice. It'll be belief and faith. Those are the key words, as opposed to the flesh and the works of the law. And so this that they are going to, he says that I'm so, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting. I'm amazed that you've left the gospel so quickly. It's to go back to the old way that they'd had before. It was to go back to something that I'm sure felt comfortable. And now maybe, you know, uh, circumcision plus the forgiveness of Christ, uh, keeping the Sabbath as well as having the forgiveness by uh, the Lamb of God. And maybe they thought they had the gospel plus. Or maybe they thought they had the law plus. But by going back to the law, in fact, what they were doing was deserting Christ. And so here in the church, they're deserting Christ. Because as remember, who is this book to? 
the churches of Galatia. It's not to the synagogues in Galatia. It's to the church in Galatia. And so we might ask ourselves, what kind of church would desert Christ? What kind of church is a Christless church? Well, one that has a different gospel. One that is not by faith. One that is by the flesh. One that is by, in this case, works of the law. And you think about the great blessings that come in Christ. And Paul says, you, I, you, you've deserted it. I can't believe you've deserted it. Uh, in Paul's second and third missionary journeys, when he went through the areas of Galatia, Lystra, Derby, Iconium, those those uh, cities and places, the, the place where he had uh, found Timothy uh, and his faithful family and uh, uh, preached the gospel. In his missionary journeys, Paul had been through those places at most 10 years before for the first time. And maybe he had been through some of these places as few as two or three years uh, since uh, between the writing of this letter and uh, his last being there. So at most, at most, it's been a decade since he taught these people the gospel. At least, at, at the minimum that it could possibly be, the, the shortest time would have been a couple of years that he had taught or refreshed them in the gospel. But let me ask you, uh, how quickly is it that we should be deserting Christ? What's a reasonable time for desertion? Well, it's certainly not within the, 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 the scope of the time that Paul had been there. It's, a, it's an amazingly quick, it's an amazingly quick time. And this is one of the things, there are several ways of apostasy. There is the slow apostasy, the drifting. Uh, Brother J.D. Tant of two generations back now, maybe two and a half, uh, he would write in, in his articles and, and preach in the sermons, and he would say, brethren, we are drifting. And uh, he noticed a difference from the time of his youth to the time where he was aged as he was writing things. And he'd noticed over the course of decades, things were not the same in the church. And he was, he was concerned about it. And so we might depart from Christ with the slow drift. But we might also, uh, if it's possible for these Galatians, it might yet be possible for us or for others. It also might be an amazingly quick it might be like a rubber band that's been pulled and then snapped back. These have snapped back into the old way. These have snapped back into the things of the law, of which Peter said, man, we are glad Hebrews, or excuse me, Acts 15.10. This is a burden we couldn't bear, neither us or our fathers. They should have been glad to get rid of it. But instead, the old ways, I guess they found some comfort, or they found some people saying, well, you need Christ, I guess, because this is the church after all. It wasn't, wasn't completely without mention of Christ, although they're losing Christ. But uh, I don't think they realized that. But when they left his gospel, they left him. And so you are leaving the grace of Christ. And if we think about the important things in the faith, isn't the grace of Christ centermost of importance to us? Uh, how did we hear the gospel? By the grace of Christ. How were we called? 
by the grace of Christ, to the grace of Christ, uh, how do we stand? How do we persist? How do we endure? We do it all by the grace of Christ. And so this that they were getting, as Paul will say in chapter 5, verse 8, this persuasion did not come from him who calls you. This is not Christ's way that you are following. There's a way of Christ. There's a grace and knowledge of Christ that Peter says that we are uh, to grow in. Uh, There is a great grace by which we've been called and through which we have been saved. And these people were teaching and believing and practicing something else. And so Paul calls it here in verse 6, a different gospel. I'm sure some mention of Christ was in it. But there was other things that Christ did not teach in it as well. In Acts 15, where there's controversy over this same topic, we find this at the uh, church in uh, the church in Antioch, Acts 15:1. Some men came from Judea, and they began to teach the brethren, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. Uh, to which Paul and Barnabas responded, uh, and ended up having with them a great dissension and debate. And so they they withstood these people. But not every church had Paul and Barnabas sitting there uh, in the audience and in, in town when these doctrines came. And so in Antioch, these things were withstood. But in Galatia, these things took hold. And so this, this Judaizing law teaching, Paul says, you have gone to a different gospel. But then he says in verse 7 and qualifies and explains, it's not really another. It's a different gospel in one sense because it's not the same gospel of Christ. But he also says, it's not really another. So is it a different gospel, or is it not a different gospel? Well, in one sense, it's it's, it's a different gospel, because they're teaching a different message. But in another sense, and in a true sense, it's not really another gospel, because at the heart of it, what does the word gospel mean? It's good news, right? Uh, In in Greek, uh, uh, the, the evangel, uh, and I'm not sure the exact pronunciation, but uh, the root of that word begins with good. It's good news. The uh, That uh, uh, E sound on the front of evangel, evangelism, evangelistic, is the same uh, beginning sound and the same basic root word as we have with eulogy, which means good speech. And, of course, we, when do we give a eulogy? Well, for the dead, because what are you supposed to say about the dead? Only nice things. So it's a good speech. We say the good about the dead. Well, it's good. It's the good news in the gospel. And Paul will point out that if you have a different gospel, it can't be good news. Because there's only one gospel that saves, and that's what makes the gospel the gospel. That's what makes it the good news. It's the saving good news. That's why it is good. And so you cannot have you cannot have another set of good news because there's only one set of news, one body of news, one body of instruction that saves, and that is that which causes faith to be developed in Christ as Christ is presented in the teaching of the book. They are not presenting Christ as the teaching of the book, as the revelation of the Father. And so it's not really another set of good news. It's not like we have interchangeable sets of good news. You know, I might have, and well, at this point it's purely theoretical, uh, but I might have, uh, and I used to have at one point, uh, several different pair of Nikes. 
I could put on my white Nikes or I could put on my blue Nikes. Uh, they were all Nikes, right? And uh, did it matter if it was white or matter if it was blue? Well, you know, in my sartorial splendor, I guess it mattered a lot. No, no, no I, I never had sartorial splendor. Uh, I, I know what the word sartorial means in a you know academic sense, not in the sense of experience. It really didn't matter if my shoes are blue or my shoes are are white. You know, they're they're just Nikes, and, and so my Nikes were pretty much interchangeable. Our gospels interchangeable. No, they're not just. You can't have this this one or that one, the white one or the blue one. Well, okay, so uh, you can't interchange Nikes. Well, I, I got some Adidas. They're just as good, aren't they? Well, no, they're not. Uh, actually, they're, no, I, that's why I buy Nikes. But, uh, well, now I'm old. I buy New Balance, so I, you know. Uh, I, now have, I now have my two pair of New Balance. I have my old pair for mowing. I have my new pair, you know, for, for, for uh, you know, formal occasions. One day they'll be my mowing shoes when they get old. But uh, you just can't you just can't substitute in different gospels. Yeah, I can substitute it in substitute in effectively different footwear. I cannot substitute in different gospels. And so you know what? What in one season, uh, uh, you know, it might be wide ties are in, and the next season skinny ties are in, and I no longer care about that either. I just wear the ones I've got a long time ago for Father's Day. <laughs> So I don't care about ties. They're interchangeable. I don't care if they're in style or not. Ask my kids. But the gospel, I can't, it, I can't just change it as the style goes. One gospel is not as good as another. It's not really another gospel. Instead, what it is, because it's taking them away and it's causing them to desert uh, the things to which they were called and the one to which they were called, Paul said, instead, it's a disturbance. It's a disturbance. It's a disturbance of faith. Now, back in Acts 15, there was a debate and dissension as soon as it was taught. Well, okay, then don't dispute about it. We won't have any any trouble. Well, no, you still will. You'll still have trouble with God. You'll still be disturbed in faith. So there's disturbance in in effect uh, when those who hold the truth debate it and refute it and others don't accept it. There's a practical uh, disturbance in the church and in the fellowship, but more importantly, there's, there's a disturbance in the actual faith and the content that's taught. As verse seven finishes out, it is a distortion, a distortion of the gospel. So if it's matters of opinion, we'll get to those things when we study Romans 14, or we study some things in first Corinthians 10, we study other places about actions we might or might not take. And we talk about Christian liberty. We'll get to some of that in chapter 5 of this book. Those things aren't distortions, and those things should not then disturb. But if it's a distortion, by definition, it disturbs. Distortions of the gospel disturb faith and disturb brethren. And so these people are disturbing you. And they are distorting the gospel. In Acts 15, when the apostles refuted this kind of teaching, they said about those who'd come from Jerusalem teaching it, Acts 15, 24, we have heard that some of our number, to whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. So they disturbed people. They unsettled people. And did it without apostolic warrant. 
They did it without apostolic instruction. Or Peter in 2 Peter 3 and 16, he talks about Paul having written some things that are hard to understand. He says that, yeah, I know that some of the things that Paul wrote, 2 Peter 3, 16, are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort as they do the rest of the scripture to their own destruction. And so distortion of the text, distortion of the scripture, distortion of the message is a bringer of destruction to the person that does it. And he goes on to say, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on guard, lest you be carried away by the error of unprincipled men. So these distortions are errors. These distortions take you away. So the Galatians were facing people who distorted the gospel, who taught a different gospel, which is not really another kind of good news, but a whole different kind of message. And they were being carried away from the faith. And so thus Paul's, rather beginning here especially, terse and direct message to these brethren. What we'll find is the, the nature of the things in this controversy end up being a short course in the same things that are in the book of Romans. The book of Galatians is often taught as a precursor to the book of Romans because it covers the same basic uh, uh, topic, uh, the topic of salvation by faith, but it covers it in a short and direct form where the heart of the argument is given directly and, like I say, almost to the point of terseness because of the need of the moment. The book of Romans is one where it's, it's a big read to sit down and read all in one sitting. It's, it's, book of Romans has things to ponder for days, for years, for decades. It, it is the long version. It is uh, Paul taking time to answer objections and to consider various points at great length. The book of Romans takes time because you have time. The book of Galatians is these things in combat. The book of Galatians is rushing the troops to the front to get them into the fight against this error that's already present before it becomes entrenched. The, the book of Romans is what you study when you have time at the war college, when you want to get all your doctrine completely squared away, when you want to get your officers trained in the theory uh, as well as the practicality. But Galatians is going to be, these people are being disturbed. We're going to get out there and undisturb it. We're going to get out there before the enemy has time to come in. So I want you to know, I want you to know, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to know if we or an angel from heaven should come and preach to you any gospel contrary to what is preached, let him be accursed. This is just how serious we are. This is how much that this is a disturbance. This is how much this is an error. This is how much this unsettles other people. And if you go in and unsettle others from their hope in the gospel, if you go and mislead brethren, you can be and will be accursed. What did Jesus say about the one who lays a stumbling block in front of the brethren? Get the millstone, right? It's better that they'd have the millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the sea. Well, these, this is the equivalent. It is, it is cursing time. It's curses 
from God. It's accursed at the time of judgment because you are disturbing people who have come to faith in Christ. And so it doesn't matter what the credentials are. In Acts 15, 24, we saw the apostles say that people to whom we gave no instruction have come from us, have come from uh, here in, uh, in Jerusalem or Judea. It seems likely that these people were coming, claiming themselves to be apostles or claiming themselves to have apostolic warrant or claiming to have the church in Jerusalem and the churches of Judea behind them, claiming to have the way of tradition, pre preaching the law that's always been preached, preaching the same teaching the Jews had heard uh, from the time of Moses. They would claim this uh, long tradition. Uh, they would claim authority from places that uh, sound important and where uh, the faith had been centered geographically for so long. They might even claim to have uh, other apostles behind them, uh, not Paul, that, that, you know, that, that come lately apostle. No, the real apostles, Peter and James, uh, zealous for the law, you know, those men, uh, they're with us. They, they might have they gone so far as to claim that. I do think maybe that they actually claim to be from Peter because Paul will say later on in chapter 2 that one time he had to correct Peter. And he does it partly to show his complete apostolic authority, but I think it's quite likely that he didn't just bring Peter up to, to use an example of his strength, but I think that they, uh, these people, were likely borrowing the authority of Peter. Uh, but they were borrowing authority from somewhere, and Paul says, I don't care what authority they say they got. If we, if me, me, if me and the guys with me, if we come back and say a different thing, we're wrong. Or if an angel says this, if you get an angel, and of course, how does Satan appear but as a messenger of light? And so if, you, if, you, if Satan, uh, was, if somebody sent and brought a different message, they didn't come from God. They came from, uh, they came from Satan or maybe one of his. So if it's an angel, which seems to be kind of the, the hypothetical extreme, if anyone teaches anything different, let them be accursed. So I told you, and I'm going to tell you again. And here's a rhetorical device that the Apostle Paul will use a couple of times in the book of Galatians. Uh, he'll talk about uh, you know the works of the flesh. Uh, we've told you, we forewarned you just as we warned you before. He's going to go back to what he has said before. This is what I said. This is what you heard. This was gospel teaching that you accepted. And so I want you to accept this now. I want you to accept what you've heard. We're, we're not coming with a different message. I want you to understand if there's a different message coming here. It's these guys have brought in and they have taught the different message. So we have said before. And so now we say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let him be accursed. So the original gospel was the right one, that uh, faith in Christ, the message we taught with faith in Christ, those things we taught about the unnecessary nature, go to the book of Colossians, of keeping the uh, Sabbaths and the festivals, and the various eating of meats, 
or uh, as later will be explained in the book of Romans in chapter 14, whether one would eat or whether one would drink uh, various things or observe various days. They'd already been teaching that, and, and we see several instances where that's done. That, that gospel, not the one of these things of the law, but that original gospel, that one that you got the first time through, that is what you accepted to, unto salvation. That's the one that you need to stick with now. And it doesn't matter who brings the change. If I bring the change, if an angel brings the change, if a guy who said he just came from the study of the Apostle Peter with a brand new message for you, if a whole group of them stand up and say, this is what we find uh, from the law that we still ought to do. No, it's if anybody, if anybody preaches the gospel contrary to what you received, let him be accursed. So this uh, original gospel was the right gospel that if any man would come, it actually reminds us of a teaching of the law of Moses, that if even if you're if your bosom companion, if your dearest friend in Deuteronomy would come to you and try to tell you to worship something uh, that wasn't God, that would try to uh, take you to an idol, if your dearest friend tried to take you away from Jehovah God under the law, you were to expose them and not follow. Same thing here. If anybody, your dearest friend, the highest uh, credentialed fellow you can find, the fellow with the best reputation in anything— if anybody is away from this gospel. So it is a gospel-oriented message. It's, it's going to be a gospel-checked message. It's going to be a gospel-judged message in all regards for those in the church. And I think Paul realizes I'm going to get crossways with a whole bunch of people now in this uh, Galatian region. He says, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. To me, this is, in all of this, you know, the, the stern warnings, I mean, we're used to that. We know this passage of all the things in the Galatians, uh, other than maybe, hopefully, the fruit of the Spirit passage, I think we probably know this section the best. We've always, uh, at least in, in, in the church and the brotherhood, we've been warned on this passage many times. And so as stark as it is, as terse it is, as direct as it is, it's not surprising to us. We're, we're familiar with it. But we don't usually quote all the way down to here. Usually we stop in verse 9. But to me, because maybe, maybe because it's not quite as familiar, but if we think about the implications of it, it can be one of the most frightening parts. Verse 10, am I seeking the favor of men or of God? This tells me that Paul is expecting in this message to upset a lot of people, to have a lot of people not, no longer be friends with him, to no longer associate with him. He's causing, going to cause with this stand for the gospel lines of bitter division. Now, we know where the bitter division comes. It comes from those preaching another gospel. But they've been swaying a large number, and Paul's trying to get these folks back to Christ. And it's going to be presented if, if he's the enemy, he's the troublemaker, 
he's the cause and the source of the division. And so he says, I'm not seeking the favor of man. I'm not trying to please men, which tells me an awful lot of men, an awful lot of folks are going this way or have headed this way. And he knows that this stand will cost him with them. And he says instead, if I were trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant or I would not be a slave of Christ. Back as far as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught we can't serve two masters. Paul says, my master is Christ. I was called to the apostleship and given this message by Christ. I'm following Christ. These other people with this other gospel, they are not following Christ. And if I wanted to get the crowd, he seems to be implying, I'd be on the other side of this. Now, we can take encouragement that with Christ, we're, we are going to be with uh, the blessing of God. We will be with the inheritance. We will be with all the blessings. But we can also see in this, we're going to be against, contrary to a lot of folks, and so there's going to be a lot of folks that don't accept this message of Paul, especially when it's first presented. Hopefully they'll come back around. And it's going to be a difficult thing, and Paul's going to cause, Paul's going to get enemies with this. Now, we like to think, and we like to think in these modern days, well, we've all settled now on the side of Paul, right? Didn't the whole church decide and side on the side of Paul? And so we're with Paul. We don't have those problems anymore. But what we'll find is in modern departures, in modern different Gospels, we'll find that we'll end up with, I think, the same dynamic, that standing with Christ and for Christ and for just the Gospel will get us crossways with some folks we'd really rather not be crossways with. We don't want to be crossways with them because we don't want the trouble. We don't want to be crossways with them because maybe we've been with them for a long time. We don't want to be crossways with them because who wants to be crossways with anybody? But Paul was going to be crossways with folks by standing with Christ. And we'll end up being the same as well. So in the world and outside the church, certainly, but sometimes in the church as well, as people go to different things, emphasize different things that Gospels don't emphasize, have different uh, requirements, Maybe they've chopped off some of the requirements that uh, it's actually part of the faith. Maybe they've added the requirements that aren't actually part of the faith. But from time to time, we'll be we'll find ourselves that we have to serve Christ, and we won't we won't uh, be able to consider what we'll get along with a lot of other people. We'll get along with the faithful, but if we're trying to please men, we won't be servants. Of Christ, so this is this is the high stakes. Uh, this is uh, the reason why it's so important that Paul gets off to this running start of I'm God's apostle. I've got God's gospel. These other folks do not have God's gospel. Now, in the next verses, as we go forward, what we'll find is that Paul is going to defend his apostleship. He is going to show that uh, it is by fully by the will of God that he was called 
as he'll say in verse 11, and we'll take it up there, Lord willing, next time. He says, the gospel was pre- that was preached by me is not man's gospel. It was not revealed by man to me. It was not taught to me by man. He'll say, I got it by a revelation of Jesus Christ. So next study, the revelation that came to Paul directly by Jesus Christ. Paul will go through his biography uh, and we'll find out a lot about the Apostle Paul in his, his early years. And we'll see that, that Paul will basically make the case, I wasn't with any of the apostles long enough for them to tell me anything. I got this from God. And by the way, I came to you doing miracles. And I certainly didn't get that power from man. So I got this from God will be a next chapter and a half to point out that the messenger is right. And thus, if the messenger is right and attested to by the Holy Spirit, then the message must be right too as he does these miracles and does these works among them, and then we'll study the gospel. So first, uh, Paul will lay out for us, uh, he's God's man, as we saw in the introduction, and then we'll see in chapter 3, he'll get to, this is God's gospel. So next time, a biography, a biography lesson of the Apostle Paul, as he shows us his credentials, divine credentials, to preach in the name of Christ, this beloved gospel. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.